Well, welcome everybody again. My name's Alex and I'm the, the pastor here at Ridgeview Church. And I'm really excited for today. We're launching a brand new series uh, called Lives and Letters. And in this series, we're gonna be looking at some books in the Bible and asking the question, how, how do we bridge uh, what was written years and years ago to our life today? And that, that's actually something that we wanna always do on a Sunday is we wanna open the Bible, we wanna read the Bible, we wanna look at it with this intent of, of how do we actually uh, live this out? How do we apply it? How do we get it into our lives? And so in this series, we're gonna look at some specific letters uh, written in the New Testament, and I wanna you know, talk about those in the context of those in a moment. But for just a second, I want us to go back to when we actually wrote letters. Do you remember that? Like, I don't know the last, I mean, I hardly write on paper. In fact, when I write, I don't know if you guys have experienced this, when I write, I start to write and I kind of forget like how to spell words. Because like when I type, I just try to make as terrible of a spelling of a word just so the spell corrector cup comes and fixes it. Like I even know how to fix it, but I just add more letters so it will, any of you guys do that? Like I don't write words anymore, I hardly use paper. But if I take you back, back in the day, when a letter was something that you wrote or you received, letters were big deals. You know, you had paper, remember that, and a pen, and you'd write that on there, and, and you'd have to kind of fit it in there, and if you made a spelling mistake, you're like, oh, you have to cross it out, or you get the whiteout, remember whiteout? That, then it was the, the, the one that made a mess, like paint, and then the one that was like special flexi tape, you know, remember all that? And you guys remember, like, some of, some of you, are, you, all you know is computers, but back in the day, like, this, this is all we had, and this would have been handwritten, okay? Stay with me here. Letters, though, letters, though, they have this sense of because you, you had to give thought to it and you couldn't really correct it and your, your space was limited and your paper was limited, especially in the olden days, letters were so much thought and you, you, you really thought about what you wanted to say because it was kind of like you had one draft and also it was gonna cost money. It was gonna take a long time and so what you sent, this message was important. Now, I'm inviting you in right now into the inner circle of my budding romance with my wife. You guys ready for this? You actually, I don't know if you are, but you're coming in anyways, okay? This is a box that my wife made for me. Thanks. All the ladies, all the guys are like, oh, where's mine, you know? But um, Sam actually made this for me. And this is, if you want to see like what we, we look like in the old days, um, this, is, this is us. Um, I actually had my ears pierced for a moment in time. You may find a pic. <laughs> Fun fact, uh-oh. You guys didn't know that, did you? Um, I, anyways, this is a letter from Sam. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. But she is teaching kids on a day. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this, is, this is what a letter is. And uh, in this, in this um, box are letters that she wrote to me and I wrote to her from 20 to 22 years ago. And I started reading these you know, I found this, you know, kept it all these years, and I started reading these, and it was like a picture of, man, she, she loved me. <laughs> she didn't know it at the time, but I read those letters. Dude, she loved me. You know what? I, I loved her, and I couldn't wait for her letter, and she couldn't wait for mine, and, and we have just all these things, and 
This is a letter that she wrote when I was in England and she was in Belize on a mission trip and talking about the experience. And this is like, this was when we first started relating to each other, this is all we had. And I just remember just waiting and waiting for letters to arrive. And then you'd read it and then you'd read it again. And this is, this is how communication used to be. And a letter has an impact because of what is written. And there's letters in history that are written that really kind of frame what was important to people. Now, I would invite you to check this out, but you guys can't, you can't open this box. You can look at the pics, but you, I, I don't know why I'm making the big deal of this. It's not, it's not that great. I mean, it's great. Okay, never mind. I'm just going to stop talking about it. But there's letters that are written throughout history that, that really make an impact. For me, I'm sharing ones that are personal to me, probably don't mean much to you. In fact, you're like, actually, that was way TMI, right? But there's certain letters that are written in history that actually stay with us. Uh, here's a letter from Martin Luther King Jr. that he wrote uh, when he was in, in jail, April 16th, 1963. And he was writing to people who had questioned his motives and what his, his life was all about, what he was fighting for, for, for racial justice and equality. And, and there were people that were questioning him. And, and there's this line in the letter on the next slide that says, something about injustice. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And in that letter and in the letters that he wrote, so many people pulled out what was important to him. And we've done this throughout history. Letters communicate what's really important. And that helps us see part of the the past, and then it also helps us kind of frame part of the present and also the future. And so in this series, we're talking about lives and letters, and we're going to be digging into specific letters in the Bible. And there are letters, and we're going to kind of talk about those. But these letters have principles. They, they have context. They have information. They have lessons. They have truth. And the question that we want to be asking in this series is like, how do I get that letter that was written long ago to make sense to my life right now, and how does that work? And so in this series... We're the lives, and then we're going to dig into the letters, and then we're going to be looking at how do we, we bridge those, those two together. Before I do that, though, I want, I want to kind of at, you know, answer some, some questions that you may have about the Bible, because this series is going to be all about the Bible and specific the letters, but it's helpful to kind of have a context. So this series is going to be a little bit different and specific today, Will, because there'll be times when it feels like you're, you're in a, like a workshop or a classroom. Now, I don't want to take you back to, you know, when you used to be in school, and you'll, you guys will start twitching like, uh-oh, what's going on? But it's helpful to have these, these insights because kind of the rest of the series will, will be connected to them. So if you can bear with me, I hope to give some kind of interesting, you know, tidbits that you may not know, some stuff you may have heard already, but it's just a, a good reminder. So first question that I want to answer is, is how does the Bible uh, fit together? And we've talked a little bit about this before at Ridgeview, so this might just be a recap for some, but the Bible, it's a unified collection of books. There's actually 66 books written by 40 authors uh, that span several hundred years. So the Bible is unique. There's no other book that is written by so many authors in different contexts and regions over the course of so many years, and it's put together in one unified book that we have called the Bible. And so it's unique And so in this series, we want to kind of leverage that uniqueness so that it can actually make an impact on our lives. Uh, Here's a chart that can give you some of how uh, it's fit together. And so you see the Old Testament. The Old Testament is here on the the left side. And these are the books that are written before Jesus came to earth. These contain laws, poetry, history, 
all sorts of things in these, these books. And you can see each book here, 39 of them. The New Testament are the books contained after Jesus came, specific history of the life of Jesus. These are kind of the historical account of Jesus' life on earth. And then you have Paul's letters to churches and letters by others, and then Paul's letters to individuals. And so in this series, we're going to be looking at specific these letters because of what I've told you, just the importance of the message that these letters sent. And so the letters of the New Testament, they start with Romans, they end with Jude, and let's dig in a little bit about the specifics of those. So what are the letters? Uh, The next slide up there you'll see is 21 of the 27 New Testament books were letters. Do you have that up there to put that? That's okay, it's 75%. So 75% of the New Testament were these letters. And so it's important when you see such a high percentage as letters, it's important to kind of learn, well, how do these letters relate to us? What does that that mean for us? And so the letters, you may not have known this, but this is a helpful fact. The letters uh, tend to carry the name of the people that they were sent to. I think that's up there as well, yeah. So the letters tend to carry the name of the people they were sent to. So uh, today we're going to be talking about a book called Philippians. That letter was sent to a church that lived in Philippi. There's a letter called Ephesians that was sent to church in the city of Ephesus. So you've ever wondered, like, why these crazy names? Usually the letter's name was the group that it was sent to. And so that's sometimes just helpful to know in terms of geography and things like that. So, so that's a little bit about the letters. Let's talk a little bit about the authors. So what about the authors? So the apostles wrote the books of the New Testament, including the letters. Okay, so the apostles wrote the books of the New Testament, including the letters. You heard the word apostle before? Have you used that in a sentence recently? No. This is what it means. The word apostle literally means those who have been sent. So that's what it means, those who have been sent. But what have they been sent to do? Well, they had been sent by Jesus to preach and teach his message in his name. So anytime you see the word apostle, which you'll see in letters, it's talking to these people who have specifically been sent with this message that Jesus had been given them. Now, this is important. The next point, none of them, none of these apostles were self-appointed. So what it means is when you see a letter in the New Testament, there wasn't just this person that just stood up and said, like, I'm going to be an apostle. I'm going to write a letter, and you're going to put it in this collection of books. No, this is flown from the hand of God. He's weaved in all these different authors, and he is the one that called out the author, and he inspired the author to write the truth that God wanted us to read. And so when we're reading these letters, we're not just reading this committee of people that decided they have something interesting to say. We're actually reading these letters by people that God had called out specifically to record the truth that he wanted us to know. Uh, Paul... You heard of Paul before in church? Paul is one of the persons that like really accelerated the growth and spread of Christianity. He started many churches. Because he started many churches, he wanted to help those churches. And he would travel around to churches. And then he was in prison, and so he'd send letters to these churches encouraging them, helping them, guiding them. And God used him to establish what does it mean to live the Christian life. And so, so much of Paul's letters, 13 of the 21, Uh, we're gonna focus on in this series. So you'll hear a lot about Paul. Uh, Peter, James, and John, uh, they wrote what's called the general letters. Now, these weren't specific to a church in a location. These were letters written for like the whole church, and these would be circulated 
And so these would go from city to city. If you can imagine this time, there was an email. All they had was these letters, and they didn't have the paper like we have today where you can go to the story. It was a process that cost money and time, and these were just precious, just words that they, they, they exchanged and traveled around so people could know, what does it mean to live this life that God has called us to live? What does it mean for us to follow Jesus? And so I hope this gives you kind of a sense of you've got the whole Bible, you've got the Old Testament, you've got the New Testament. Those are the big categories. The New Testament, you have a specific category called letters. That's what we're going to focus on. But here's the most important part. This is the question of this series. Lives and letters, bridging letters written in the past to our lives here and now. Have you ever read the Bible and you thought to yourself, I have no idea what that means? You ever thought that? You know how many times I've thought that? Sometimes even saying the name of somebody. I've been preaching a sermon, looking at the name thinking, I don't know how to say that. You know, I sneeze and hopefully it sounds like the name. I've had those thoughts, literally. So I know when you look at the Bible and when you look at the scriptures, so much of us, it can be daunting and intimidating. And that's normal. So if you're here and you've like never read the Bible for yourself, don't feel like there's this giant wall that you have to climb over. What God does is he opens up all sorts of windows and doors so you can get to know him through his word. He actually is very accessible. But oftentimes what happens, we have kind of walls in our, in our heads and in our hearts and just all sorts of things that kind of prevent us from engaging in God's word. So I, so I hope in this series, no matter where you are, whether you've read the Bible a lot, you read it currently, or you've never read it much at all, I hope this gives you some sense of like, here's how I can begin and here's where I can start. So why, why is that important? Well, here's why. When you read the New Testament letters, and actually when you lead, read so much of scripture, this is the truth. God's actually speaking to you and to me. Now, I asked the question, have you ever read something you had no idea what it means? That, that's actually important to just get out there. That's normal. Another question is, have you ever read the Bible and thought God was speaking to you directly? As much as I sometimes are confused, there are times where I read, I'm like, oh my goodness. That's something I'm thinking about. That's something I'm worrying about. And God is like, pay attention. And it's just like he just gave me that word that I needed. So as confusing as it can be, as daunting as the process, what happens is God wants to give you a little taste that he will speak to you. He will guide you. And when you see that, you, your life will actually begin to change because that's who God is. Out of his love, he guides. Out of his love, he directs. And he doesn't do it in this mystical way. He does it through his word, the Bible. And so we're gonna be focusing on how that process happens. Uh, many times I experienced this truth in Hebrews 4.12. This is what it says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So sometimes you could read that and you're like, okay, that, there's a little bit too much about anatomy right there in that scripture. What does that have to do? Well, what it's saying is, is in the beginning, and this is how you kind of look at a scripture and you kind of break it down. So some key words for the word of God it's, is living. The opposite of living is what? 
dead. You guys are like, is that a trick question? No. The opposite of living is dead. But sometimes when we read the scriptures or when we hear what other people say about the scriptures, that's exactly what they, they say or that's exactly how we feel, like it's dead. What the Bible's saying is, no, the word of God, it's living, it's alive, and because it's alive, it's relevant. So it means because it was written hundreds of years ago, doesn't mean that over time it's been slowly dying this death. No, God's word and truth is relevant and alive as much as it is now as when it was written. Well, how do I know that? Because God wants to speak to us, and that's what he said. So you have to go back to the scripture, and it defines it's living, and then another word there is active. Now, parents, if you want your kids to be active, usually it's because they're on electronics, or if you feel like you need to be active, it's usually because you've maybe been on your phone or watching Netflix all day, right? Like, I need to be active. What does it mean to be active? You gotta get up, you gotta move, you gotta be working, and that's what the scripture is saying. This, this idea of it's active, it's, it's working, and it's effective to this end. You may answer, well, it's alive, okay, but what does it mean for it to be active? Well, it's, it's working, what's it working to? Well, then the next part describes that. It's working like a two-edged sword would work. And how does a two-edged sword, now bear with me, you know, now we're getting into some battle. Like a two-edged sword, well, it's, it's, it's piercing. It's going to cut. It's not just a one-edged sword. It's two-edged. It's effective. And it cuts right through. What does it cut through? And the, the scripture says, well, it cuts through the division of our soul and of our spirit. It cuts to our core. It gets inside our very being, who we are, our thoughts, our intentions, our goals, the things that we don't even speak of, the word of God gets there. Things that aren't even in the light, it gets to. It's living and it's active, it's working, and it cuts through the very joints and marrow, and then it goes on in discerning. The discerning there is it, it's this critical analysis, it's a judgment. The word of God, because it's living and it's active, it cuts right through and it tells us what's really going on. It tells us what's really going on when we don't know what's going on. You've been confused in your life? Are you confused right now? I know, I get confused all the time. What should I do? Should I do that? Should I not do that? How do I do it? I don't know. And you just you get in this time. You, is it Friday yet? And the weekend comes and it's over and you're back to, oh my goodness, I'm back in this grind. So the word of God actually can give you some critical analysis so you can see what's really happening in your life. So you can get out of that spinning cycle that we get caught in. And then it tells us the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's what the Bible does. Now, this is a Bible. <laughs> that was like kind of obvious. But wouldn't it be awesome if, if everything I just said about God's word could happen and I just told all of you like come in and just touch it and the living and the active will get to the core of you. How many of you would be like, that sounds so awesome? Like it's osmosis, right? Just get near it. Just hold it. But does it work like that? No, there's no magic key. You have to open it. You have to get into it. And that's what we're talking about in this series, how to actually get into the word of God. So this is all about hearing from him. So what I want to do for the rest of the message is just give you a snapshot of how do you hear from God when you read the letters. Because when you hear from him, your life has changed. 
your direction can change. There's no quick fix, but your life can change. Over time, he wants to transform you, and he does that through the inside out. On the inside, it comes outward with the word of God, his spirit living in you when you decide to follow him, and that's how you live a different life. So how to hear God when reading the letters. The first one is to get curious. Now, some of this is tricky because I don't know, how many of you, just by show of hands, how many of you, like, you really loved school? Like, school was, like, your zone. Like, when you were in a school, you're like, that was my happy place. Like, I love school. Come on, put them up high. Come on, guys. Like, all right. There, <laughs> no, no dudes at all. Maybe, maybe there's one. I don't know. I don't want to, like, but how many of you, like, did not like school? Like, you could not, you were so glad you're not in school right now. Okay. The thing is, when, when we approach the word of God in any kind of reading, we have to undo some of the education model that's inside of us. You know what I'm saying? Because anytime somebody, especially at church, says, read your Bible, you know what happens? You go back to your eighth grade class of reading history that your teacher told you to read. And it almost becomes like this assignment that you love because you get to check it off, or you hate because you don't want assignments. You get what I'm saying? So the word of God becomes this thing like it's an education. What I'm talking about is not this education. I'm talking about the the heart change, like how, how it actually gets in your life. So the first is when I say get curious, it actually has to flow out of this desire to know what the word of God says. Here's the great thing. Oftentimes, you're just gonna need help with this because you're not gonna be motivated. When I say it's a great thing, that's not a great thing, but it is knowing that it's not about you and and your own motivation. It really is, I'm gonna take one step forward, ask God to meet me here, and he does, and he helps you. And so it's really important to hear from God. There's just gotta be a curiosity where you want to. You want to know what he says. It's not magical, it's intentional, but it has to start with this willingness to hear, get curious. So here's some questions. Who's the author, what is the setting? Who is the recipient? Most of the time, in the letters themselves, when you read it, you can find this out. So for today, for our purposes, I'm going to actually walk through Philippians. Just not the whole thing, because, you know, you guys would be out of here tonight, okay? And nobody wants that, right? <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> what do we say? Just say right. Nobody wants to be here all day. But I do want to just give a little, you guys are so scared. This is great. Uh, I do want to give you a little snapshot just the book of Philippians. So part of getting curious is you begin to read. So you start in the beginning. So Philippians chapter one, verse one, chapters and verses. And so this is what it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the beginning of the letter from who? Well, in the beginning, as you look, you get curious. It's who's it from? Paul. How do you know that? It says so. Paul and Timothy. So Timothy's kind of his, his brother in arms. He's helping him out. So Paul and Timothy. And then who is he writing it to? The church where? Philippi. Now, again, when we were young and we had an assignment, you wanted to cut through as many pages as possible. You know, you don't read the introduction. You definitely don't read the acknowledgments. You don't read the preface. You don't want to know about the author. 
you want to get into like what's the nitty gritty so I can check it. Well, if you do that with the scriptures, though, oftentimes your curiosity is lost. So sometimes you just, you read the beginning, even if you're like, oh, it's just a greeting, what? you know. I don't know if you ever do that. I do that. But, but sometimes it's like slowing down. I can read the intro and I, I learn. And so you know Paul is writing this. He's writing it to the church in Philippi. And then you could Google where's Philippi and here's like a map if you were to Google it. Looks like this. I think. There it is. And you look at a bunch of other things and you're like, I don't know any of those other places. And then you're like, oh, there's Jerusalem. I, I've heard of that. And you just see, well, it's kind of like a diagonal shot from there. <laughs> so technical, right? Like, isn't my map reading? Like, you know exactly. No, but this is just geography. So you're like, okay, Philippi's here. Now, these are important because these are other places that Paul wrote to. And in fact, later in the letter, you'll find where he's writing from. And he's actually writing from Rome. So he's in Rome and he's writing to the church in, in Philippi. So it just gives you a sense of the audience that's happening. So that's part of getting curious. Uh, other questions to ask, I think this is on the next screen here, is what was the occasion, the situation? What was learned about God and people? What principles apply for today? How? So now there's curiosity where you're actually trying to figure out what's going on that's something that I can begin to bridge. So these are bridging questions. This is what was happening. What does this mean? This is what was going on. What can I gather from that? Bridging questions, that's part of getting curious. And so oftentimes in the first two verses, you don't know. So what do you have to do if you don't know? You just gotta keep reading. You guys getting this? You with me? Like Mr. Barrett's in session, like class, right? This is how it feels. You just gotta read on, okay? So let's read on together. Philippians 1, three through seven. I thank my God and all remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So anything stand out to you as you read it? What does he start with? Thanking. Well, just by noticing what the author starts with gives you a sense of what some major themes of the letter will be. And you wanna pay attention to those themes because if they come up more than once, then you get a sense of like, this is part of the heart of the letter. And in fact, this is, there's lots of principles and there's lots of truths, but this is throughout the beginning of the chapter to the end of the chapter of the book of Philippians, it's a thank you letter. It's actually a letter of appreciation. And so what Paul starts with, he actually gets back to and then he ends with, and this is the focus of this letter. That's important to know because he's thanking God and then he thanks them. And so there's a sense of appreciation, which is an important theme. God wants us to know that. And so you begin to ask those questions. And then he goes on in, in verse six. He says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Where's Paul right now? What did we just learn? He's in prison. So he starts with thanks, and what's his circumstances? Prison. Interesting, right? When I'm in prison, that, when I'm in prison, if I ever was in prison, <laughs> you guys were like, whoa, is that in the box? That's not in the box. That didn't happen, okay? That's not what I'd be thinking of. But what Paul is saying is like, grace and peace to you. Thank you. 
for all that you've done while I've been in prison. And you get the sense of like, man, his circumstances seem like they would be dire. And he begins with expressing appreciation. So you get this flavor of the kind of person Paul is and also what's important to God. So Paul's giving us some lessons. So this is thanking for their kindness. And then if you move on to the next chapter, because you may ask, well, why is he so thankful? Well, then if you jump over to chapter two, you find out why. Chapter two, verses 25, it says, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Now, again, remember when I said those words that you don't know? You just, you just start, you butcher it, and it's okay. God, God's not gonna hold that against you. Just say, Papa, Papa, Papa Smurf, you know, whatever, however you gotta say it. I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. For he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. And then he goes on, he says, indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that I may be less anxious. And so part of the context that's happening is the church in Philippi, because of their love for Paul, for all Paul had done, wanted to send this messenger to help Paul in his dire circumstances. And so they sent Epaphroditus with hope and with love and probably with money to assist this work that was going on, the starting of churches to Paul as he's in Rome. Epaphroditus on his journey, what did we learn about him? What happened? He became ill to the point where he was probably going to die. And so the church, out of their love, sent this messenger, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, out of his commitment to help, ends up doing whatever he can to help Paul. And in the course of this, ends up almost losing his life. And then Paul out of just this appreciation for Epaphroditus and for the church that sent him is just filled with just so much thankfulness, appreciation, and concern. He does not want this person they've sacrificed to lose. And he just is letting, letting us know as we read this, like, wow, these guys are serious about their commitment to each other. They're serious about the church. They're serious about following Jesus. Why? Because they're willing to lay their lives down to help each other in the advancement of what Jesus is doing. All this is happening within the context. And so in verse 29, he goes on and he says, so receive him in the Lord with all joy. So he's sending him back. And he's sending him back like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And he encourages the church. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Meaning they couldn't help without sending somebody. So you read that, like, they could have said, we hope for the best, Paul. We love you, Paul. They could have said all sorts of things, but instead of just saying it, they sent someone. And that journey could have been anywhere from 800 to 1,200 miles, depending on how you got there. Six weeks at best, three months at worst, give or take. Do you think they loved Paul? Do you think they were willing to do whatever they needed to help him? in his advancement of Christianity. You see, as you read this, you begin to think like, what's really important in the scheme of things? What am I concerned about in my life? What am I giving myself to? You know, you begin to ask these questions. This can begin to read, but if you're not curious, 
you kind of gloss past that. And so Paul in his writings encouraging us to think about certain things. So these questions, occasion, setting, purpose, what's God wanting to tell me? Those you begin to ask. That's, that's point one, get curious. Now, how many of you have a hard time listening when people tell you something? Like, you just can't remember what people tell you? I do. I, and I can act like I'm listening. You guys good at that too? Like, yeah. You ever done that? Someone's talking to you and you're like, yeah, wow. And they, they ask you a question. So does that make sense to you? What part? <laughs> and you begin to get really nervous. And you have to just, you have a choice to make. Do I admit and tell them that I've actually not heard anything they've said the last five minutes, even though I've been faking it? We get good at that with people like, oh, yeah, yeah, tell, no, yeah. And then, and then they say, really, yeah. <laughs> and we can do the same when we read the Bible. We read it, and it's like, yeah, yeah. Glad that's done, right? Again, it's the task. It's easy to get into that mode. So here's some things that can kind of help, like, unblock your ears to, to help you when you read. So you, you actually have to avoid these things. The first is this. Avoid these things, a questioning spirit. Now, I just started with getting curious, which means you ask questions. And then I say avoid a questioning spirit. What? A questioning spirit is actually not you don't ask questions. A questioning spirit is actually speaking more to the attitude that you have. When you get curious, you're asking questions to learn more. A questioning spirit usually flows out of a hardness of heart or just like it doesn't seem like it applies or it's relevant to you. It's kind of walling off. Like, I don't really want to know. And we can do that with people, and then we can do that with God. And so you want to avoid this questioning spirit where it's maybe a defensiveness or a hard heart. Second thing you want to avoid is reading into it. That is taking something that was written and just automatically putting yourself in that story and like, this is me. Well, there are lessons to learn, but you want to be careful of reading too much into it if that's not you. Like, we're all in prison for the Lord, like Paul. Like, are we? I've actually never been in prison because of my faith. Could there be a time? Absolutely. Let's not get worried about that. But could there be a time in other places in the world that that is true? Yes. So other people, because of their circumstances, can read into it differently than mine because of mine. You see what I'm saying? So you got to be careful reading into it. Uh, the second is assumptions. This is a verse that you've heard, a verse that you've read, something that you've seen again and again, and you just, I've heard that before. I've seen that before. I know that. Isn't that so easy to do? Has anyone ever told you to do something that you've already done and you're kind of offended at it? Or they tell you to do something you've already thought of? And you're just like, yeah, I know, I know. Right, we do that all the time. It's the same with God. You read a verse and you've read it before and you're like, I know, I know. And God's like, do you? So you wanna be careful. Don't assume just because you've read it before, God's got the same thing he wants to tell you last time. You want to tell you something completely new this time. Uh, the next is avoid putting him in a box. Questions like, he couldn't do that anymore. That doesn't happen. That will never happen. Actually, God, God can do all sorts of things that he wants to do if he wants to do them. So you want to avoid putting him in a box. 
And then the last thing you want to avoid is just ignoring the big picture of the book or the entire Bible. Like what, what that means is you can read one verse, and if you build your whole life goal of one verse, sometimes you can get in a really dangerous spot. Do people do that? Yes. Do they sell lots of books? Yes. Should we do that? No. One verse is not good to build your whole life on. You want to connect it to Jesus' teaching. You want to connect it to the themes of the Scripture, redemption, what God wants to do to save people. It's all connected. But oftentimes, we can just get into like one little niche and build a life on that. It, actually, read the rest of the Bible. There's lots of things that you need to keep in mind. Does that make sense? So that's kind of like how to unblock your ears. So you get curious, you look into it, and then you want to always be checking your heart, like avoiding these things. You guys with me so far? How are we doing on time? Okay, I got like three minutes. You guys ready? I got to go fast. So here's the third, and here's the most important. Build a bridge to your life. That's what this series is all about. So I don't know about you, but in those verses that I just read, something stood out to me, and so that's what I want to highlight. Now, when you build a bridge to your life, the bridge that I build to my life, is it going to be the same necessarily as the bridge you build to your life? No, because you're unique. You're facing things. God speaks to you differently than he speaks to me. But just because the bridge is different, it doesn't mean that we just make up our own truth. You get what I'm saying? There's different applications that you have, but we don't make our own truth based on how we see it. That's a big difference. God wants to speak to you, and he wants to speak to me on how we need to implement it, but his word is true, and it's real, and it's active and living like I've talked about. So you wanna build the bridge, but you wanna make sure, okay, is this in line with what these verses are saying? And then how is God speaking to me in there? So you, again, you, you don't wanna move past that he wants to speak to you and me. Here's what stood out to me in Philippians 2. Honor such men. So here's what Paul told the church. He's sending them back, sending Epaphroditus back, and he tells him, honor such men. Why? When verse 30 says, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And so I began to think about that, and certain questions came up in my own life, and I, I think I put these on the screen. So like for me, who has served and sacrificed for you? Paul is specifically speaking of the advancement of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of how to have faith in Jesus, how to be forgiven for your sin, how to find a new purpose for your life by following him. That's what Paul was all about. And he states that again and again in his letters. And so what he's saying is honor such men. So what I began to think of is like the bridge of my own life is when was the last time I honored the people who spiritually laid a foundation for me? A couple of those people are my parents. When was the last time I thanked my parents for that? What if I wrote a letter to my parents? My mom would probably faint if I ever did that. Should I do that? Well, I should probably consider it. Why? Because you honor such people who've laid down their life, and do parents lay down their life to set a spiritual plan? Yes, but it's not just parents. It's people that have loved you, sacrificed for you. And so you begin to ask this question, who, who's been there for me when no one else was? And then who has shown me God's love recently? In a world where we want to look at the, the power of people, the skills of people, Paul's saying, look at the people that have actually loved you and done all they can to ensure that you can get to know God better. 
Those are who you pay attention to. Those are who you honor. When you turn on the TV, are we honoring those people? It's anything but that. And that's what the Bible does. It's living and it's active. And most of the time, it's counterintuitive. So you begin to ask these questions, you see there's this whole framework that's very different. And so what, what am I making a big deal in my family? You begin to ask questions like that. What do we celebrate as a family? Is it our achievements? Is it how good my kids do at school or in sports? Is that what we're supposed to honor? That's getting a little too, well, everyone, hey, calm, hey, 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 calm down. Again, I'm just bridging it to my own life. These are the questions I ask myself. You see, all these are kind of from, well, what's Paul saying? You honor certain things. What's really important? And so this is what happens to me. So, so how could I thank these people who sacrificed and loved to make me the person that I am today? And some of these people are still alive. And what an opportunity I have to honor them. And so in just these scriptures that I've gone from chapter one to chapter two, is there things that we can apply? Yeah. You gotta get curious. You gotta avoid certain attitudes and approaches. And then you build that bridge. This is one letter. And we've looked at maybe 15 verses. The book of Philippians has tons more. And then the rest of the letters that we're gonna do this series, we'll be able to just draw this out and draw this out. So I wanna encourage you, go on this journey with me and get into the scriptures because God wants to speak to us. And so I want to end with just some helpful tools that can help you. So the first thing is, uh, here's a helpful tool. If you don't have a study Bible, this is actually a study Bible, the ESV. I speak out of the ESV a lot. You don't have to get the ESV, but this is a good one. Now, if you want to really grow in learning how to get in the word of God, it will cost you money. Can I say that? Because these aren't free. But are we willing to spend money as people? Yeah, we spend money all the time. How many of you like to shop on Amazon and you just love that package coming around? I love that. Here's the good news. Amazon sells this. And you can get this on Amazon for 20 or 30 bucks. But this is a worthy investment. The reason is I think I've got some pictures up here. Um, that's the, the cover. The hardcover is obviously cheaper than this, um, so do what you want to do. And then this is the introduction to Philippians. And so it tells you about the author and the title, the date, the theme, the purpose, the occasion, the background. Weren't some of those questions that we asked when we were getting curious? Some of the time you could read this and just learn these insights. And then you could go the next picture on Philippians chapter one. It just has this greeting. And then it's got all these contexts, joy and rejoicing in Philippians. And you could read all about this. Now, here's the caveat. A study Bible is super helpful, but don't spend all the time reading the footnotes and not the Bible. I've done that so many times. I'm like, whoa, that's me, because I love like just facts and background. So in the study Bible, you want to read the Bible and then study it. You don't want to just make it about the studying and not reading the Bible. You get what I mean? So that's helpful, a helpful study Bible. Um, I'm going to put this on the back table so you could check it out. Here's the thing. If you can't afford a study Bible, come see me, and at Ridgeview, we'll help you get one, because I really think this will be a big help to you. They could make good coasters, but don't use it as a coaster. You actually, if you get it, you got to open it and, and use it. The second uh, helpful resource is resources that provide context. This is called the Bare Bones Bible Handbook. 
And here's its tagline, 10 minutes to understanding each book of the Bible. And so if you're reading one of the letters, you could open it and go to Philippians, and then you could learn all about that. Uh, this is about 10 bucks on Amazon. This will help you. And this is a resource that I encourage you to get. And then the third, and this is the extra handout that you have in your, your program, is, I think it's up there, is, is tools that help bridge to your life. And so this is taken from a book from Rick Warren, which is called 12 Bible Study Methods. And he did a great job of creating these like 12 studies that you can do. But I just pulled out the devotional study form because this is really part of that bridging. And so everyone, if you want, go ahead and pull out that handout and you can use this and you, you could put the date, you put the passage you're looking at, uh, meditating on scripture. And you're like, I don't know how to meditate on scripture. And so Rick Warren just came up with these just alliteration of these are some different things that you could do to, to meditate. And then how do I apply it? So that's the bridge. Okay, so I've meditated. I know a little bit more of the occasion, the purpose, the background. How do I bridge it to my life? And then you begin to ask these questions. And he came up with this acrostic space pets, which you're like, what is that? And he's like, well, you'll never forget it. Okay? And then you just can work through these. Well, is there a sin to confess, a promise to keep? And so you don't have to do everything all the time. You could just focus on the space. You could just do the pets, whatever you want to do. But that, that, that will help you begin to bridge into your life. And so I, I encourage you to do this. I believe one of the greatest things that we can do as a church is dig into God's word together. We can do all sorts of events, helpful workshops, do great Sunday gatherings, but if we're not a church that's growing and getting God's word into our life, it's empty. Because God is the one who changes us. We don't change people. The church doesn't change people, it's God. And God does that primarily through his word. And if you were to make an investment in your life outside of Sunday in growing in God's word, you will change. I want to change, and I'm sure you want to change. But you can't change if you keep doing the same things. So God's word has a way. It's living, it's active, it's effective. And so hopefully this will give you kind of a sense of how to do that. So next steps, take an application with me, all right? On the back of your connection card, you can write this, and I'll pray for you this week. So go ahead and pull out your connection card. I know you got like lots of handouts going on. Finish filling that out, and you can drop down the offering when that comes by. But here's three next steps that you could take. First is this. Dig into the Bible this week. Just make a decision. I'm going to do that. I gave you two options. The first is you could read some more Philippians. Also, if you just don't have a Bible, we can get one to you today. We've got some here. So you could read some more Philippians where I started. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking in Galatians and Ephesians. So you could also, another option is you could read some of there. If you don't know where the Bible is, like the certain books are, just look at the table of contents. To this day, there's some books I still can't remember where they are. Just look at the table of contents. That's what it's there for. And so you look that up and you can do that. So dig into the Bible this week. I encourage you to do that. The, the next is buy a resource to help. Go on Amazon, look it up, add it to your cart. If you're not sure you want to buy it, at least put it in the cart. You know what I mean? We all do that, right? You just put it in the cart. You're like, I'm not fully committed. It's just there. So put it in the cart. And then when you're ready to spend your money on that, buy it. I think it will be a help to you. And then the third is come back for the rest of the series. 
I hope this has been a help to you. We're just gonna dig into letter after letter over the next six weeks. So hopefully at the end of this, if we're all here and we're doing some of this ourselves when we're at home, I believe that we can grow and God will speak to us. And so I encourage you to come back and invite somebody that may wanna hear this as well. So let's pray. I'm gonna invite the band back up. We're gonna receive our offering. And if I've never met you, I'm gonna be right by that info table and I'd love to meet you today. And I'm also gonna have these resources uh, if you wanna check those out too. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for being a God that has actually thought of everything that's needed for us to live life. And not only that, you've thought of everything that's needed for us to relate to you. And what you've done is you've given us what's important. Uh, you, you gave us your son who paid the price for our sin that we could not. And when we follow you, you gave us your Holy Spirit that lives inside of us to guide us forward. And then you've also given us your word so we can know truth. We can know right from wrong. We can know how to move forward in this life. And so God, we praise you for being the way maker like we sang, for being the initiator, and God, for giving us your guidance. Over the course of this series, Lord, help us to cut out the things that prevent us from hearing from you and help us to carve out time to get to know you and these letters that you wanna speak to us from. God, will you help us? We are so easily distracted and discouraged. Will you speak to us? In the name of your son, Jesus, we pray, amen.